Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Your Ben Jarofsky show is moments away. I guess we're having a week of celebrations. Uh, yesterday was a birthday special. Happy mm-hmm. birthday to Monroe Anderson, 75. Yes. And today, well, it's a mayor and her alderman special. A mayor and her alderman. (laughs) Uh, Where'd you get Sam Elliott again? That's unbelievable. Today's show is brought to you by SEIU Healthcare, Illinois, Indiana, the Chicago Federation of Labor, the Chicago Teachers Union, and Chicago Reader. ChicagoReader.com for all things there is to know the city of Chicago. Where to go, what to do, what to eat, what to drink, what kind of pot to smoke, and so much more. Oh, my God. Did, by the way, did you see Tommy Shuba's article today, speaking of reefer? No, I did not. In the re, uh, in the reader, uh, in the sunshine, young Tommy's got a sense of humor. Okay. He's breaking out. It's like the the little boxes at O'Hare uh, where you deposit your reefer when you're boarding the plane, I guess, to leave Chicago. It's illegal. nobody's. And so he did a story about how nobody's using them. That people are putting like cigarette butts in there and stuff. <laughs> it was actually a funny story. You know, the sometimes just between you and me, D is not known for its sense of humor. We're very serious. So what, you put your weed in there and then like you when you come back. Back, it's there waiting for you. Is I don't think that's the uh, deal. There. Uh. You just put your weed in there so you don't get busted. Uh, busted. You're oh. busted. Busted oh. flat in Baton Rouge. Well, thank God yeah. that thing's getting things like cigarettes in it because people aren't idiots. Why are you bringing that to the airport to begin with? <laughs> I, anyway, they got these boxes. You're supposed to put the stuff in. So some guy in the article said, uh, what do you got to do to be uh, a, bo- a marijuana box emptier? I'm like, oh, that's actually a funny line. <laughs> Why did I think of that? And she was got, I got a million of them, ladies and gentlemen. Chicagoreader.com. All right. <laughs> and if you want to help out this program, you can. ChicagoReader.com forward slash Jarofsky. J-O-R-A-V as in victory, S-K-Y. Now let's get this special on the way. A mayor and her alderman. It is Thursday, April 7th, and this is the Ben Jarofsky Show. Yeah. <laughs> He's happy. Today on the program, alderman and mayoral candidate. Yes, it's true. Ray Lopez. And now your host. Oh, you're so lucky. Not a mayoral candidate. We do not want that. Or <laughs> alderman. Chicago Reader columnist Ben Jarofsky. Hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this We Don't Want It Thursday. And here's why. Yes, yes, indeed. Alderman Raymond Lopez will be joining us. I did not plan this in any way, ladies and gentlemen. I can tell you right now. If you guys think that this is some kind of sophisticated planning by the Ben Jarofsky show, you are wrong. It never is. It never is. (laughs) I book my own shows, ladies and gentlemen. Okay. Sometimes we should do a like a, a reality show of me booking shows. Just like <laughs> one episode. Hey man, come on, you gotta help me out. <laughs> come on. Love every one of my guests. 
Uh, but to, by the way, Ray, Raylo has already sent me a text. Hey, where's that link? Oh, all right, it's coming, I'm, Raylo. Send it God. right now. Oh, hey. All right, all right. <laughs> He'll be prompt if he's mayor, all right? That's what uh, we're yeah. learning here. Uh, but anyway, uh, be, while we wait for Raylo uh, to answer, uh, we don't want it Thursday, and here's why. This is hilarious. I, you know what? I said the bright one's not funny. It's not. The Chicago Sun-Times doesn't really have a sense of humor, although there was a funny line in Tommy Shuba's article today, so congratulations, Tommy. But yeah, the Sun-Times plays it very, very, very straight. But you got to laugh at, like, the inner messages that these articles are sending. So uh, there's a story in today's paper about a pitch uh, as in a PR campaign meeting that was held on the near north side of Chicago uh, at one of the sites, proposed sites of the new casino, where the uh, developer and the casino operator came before the people who live in the area to tell them what a great deal this was going to be for the community. And this is like Chicago and Halstead around there. I don't know. But a lot of our listeners aren't even from Chicago. It's just it's just north of the loop. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that's all you need to know. And it's where the Tribune uh, publishing plant used to be. And uh, there, it's a very valuable site surrounded completely by incredibly valuable valuable chunks of land uh, in a gentrified area of the city of Chicago that used to be that used to be a relatively poor area because we're uh, close proximity to where Cabrini Green, the housing complex used to be. And the city of Chicago and in its infinite wisdom in the 1990s said, you know what, we're going to open this land for development by kicking out all the Cabrini Green residents. That's what they did. And then they acted like they were geniuses. Wow. Well, God, we're brilliant. We opened up the area. We took area that had been used, set aside for poor people, and we opened it up for rich people. Aren't we smart? They act like they're smart. You know what I mean? It's not that. I mean, come on, guys. It's just moving people. And it's not really, I don't even know if it's in the best interest of humanity. In fact, no, it is not in the best interest of humanity. It may be in the best interest of the guy who owns the property and made a fortune selling it. But it's not really in the best interest, long-term interest of humanity. Anyway, so now you got this very valuable chunk of land. Uh, and the city, it's one of the pr- uh, sites where the city is thinking of putting a casino. And now here's the thing, folks. They're feeding you this line about how great the casino is. Open up, Chicago. We're going to feed you a little more. Mm, swallow. It tastes good, doesn't it? And you, of course, typical Chicago. Sounds good to me. I heard on WBEZ and WTTW. Can we get that new uh, gulp sound effect, please? All right. There we go. Come on. There we go. Chicago is, oh, wow, a casino. We're going to be just like Hammond and Gary and Elgin. God, you guys are suckers, Chicago. Anyway, the whole thing about a casino, it's absolutely the worst way to pay your obligations. In this case, they want to use the casino to pay for pension obligations that they don't want to tax people uh, directly through property taxes to pay for because who wants to pay more property taxes? We're already paying too much. So they go, I got an idea. We'll pay our pressing needs with a casino that'll soak saps and suckers who throw away their money because you're going to lose, by and large, if you go to a casino. You know that, don't you, people? You're going to lose if you go to casino. It's set up so the casino can win. All the advantages go to the casino. Oh, Jinx Jarofsky over here. What a jinx him. <laughs> it's not a jinx. It's like they got five cards. You have four, basically. You know, it's a metaphor. Okay, people? Don't don't send me a letter. Well, technically, Ben, that's not true. No, I don't want it the letter. Don't send the letter. I don't want any more letters about I misspelled a word, all right? Oh, ben, you misspelled a word. Anyway, so uh, so it, it's all set up to soak the suckers, suckers in the sa- to saps. It's the worst possible way to pay your obligations. If you want to have a casino, have a casino. But don't do it 
telling people this is how we're going to pay our bills because it's a really dumb way to pay the bills. And secondly, if you're going to have a casino with an upscale operator in a gentrifying neighborhood, don't give him any money to build the damn thing. Let him build it himself. (laughs) Oh, Chicago. Oh, Chicago. You're about to get hit. Big time. You don't even know it. So let's say they take this site on the near north side. All right. Let's say they take this site uh, near where Cabrini Green used to be. Uh, our already gentrifying area just uh, a little ways from Lincoln Yards where they're pumping $1.3 billion of your property tax dollars to gentrify another, uh, to, to develop another gentrifying neighborhood. So how are you going to win over the residents? The residents are saying, we don't want it because of traffic and congestion. Okay. And so I'm like, yeah. That's the old NIMBY argument, and they'll kill a deal if upscaled people don't want the traffic, but they won't kill the deal because it will s- squeeze suckers and saps and get them to pay for things they can't afford. Alderman Raymond Lopez has joined us. Alderman Raymond Lopez has joined us. I'm going to bring him on as soon as I'm done with this rant and rave, which he's probably going to disagree with 100%. We generally play this game. Alderman Raymond Lopez generally lives in Foxland, but when he comes to my show, he's coming to Lefty Land. And we don't always agree. In fact, I think you could say we could take always out of that sentence, but we're good natured about it. And I have my uh, gin in this bottle. And every time I disagree with him, I'm going to take a shot. I'll probably be drunk by the end of the show. Okay. Our host isn't drinking liquor. Uh, <laughs> anyway, One in the afternoon. <laughs> so this is this casino. This is the latest great idea for my beloved city of Chicago. We're going to pay our pressing police and firefighter pensions, which we owe hardworking people who put their lives on the line to protect you, ladies and gentlemen. Okay. This is a sacred vow we made to police and firemen. And what are we depending on to pay these obligations? Squeezing suckers and saps who come to a casino who probably can't afford to lose the money in the first place. It is the dumbest idea. I've said this before. I've heard from the city of Chicago in the 21st century since Mayor Daley's Olympics, which is quite a statement. Anyway, so they had a a hearing on it uh, in a neighborhood that they're thinking, you know, they'll never put it in the 15th Ward where Alderman Raymond Lopez uh, resides. They would never put it on the south side or the west side. They got it going. One of the sites is on the near north side, and they're proposing to put in this highly gentrifying, very valuable piece of land where right near where Cabrini Green used to be, but they moved all the poor people out of Cabrini Green. And uh, so the residents are mad. They go, there's going to be congestion. And so here's what the city said. Uh, City officials lent some support to the claim that it's actually going to improve uh, congestion because their budget includes millions toward 30 infrastructure improvements in the area, including a resurfacing of Halstead and a series of new traffic and pedestrian signals. And I'm like, and so they say this should result in less traffic. I read that quote. I go, I think the people who run this city, Chicagoans, think you're as dumb as the people who go into that casino thinking they will win. Because I'm going to tell you right now, I'm just going to use this man's ward as an example. I don't even have to use Raymond Lopez's ward as an example. I'll use my ward as an example. If I drive down Damon, as I did last night, I drove down Damon, I went all the way from roughly Addison to 15th Street. I was dodging potholes every step of the way. It's called pothole season in the city of Chicago. Pothole season lasts from about 
three years after a mayor is elected until about a year before the mayor has to run for election again. And all of a sudden, let's fill those potholes. And Chicagoans are like, oh, yeah, wow. Oh, funny how that works, huh? So it's pothole season in the Chicago. They are telling you, you should be happy, Chicago, because they're going to give extra special treatment to the streets around the casino on the near north side. My ward's not going to get its potholes filled. Your ward's not going to get its potholes filled. Raymond Lopez's ward is not going to get its potholes filled. But I don't know whose ward it is. It could be Walter Burnett's. It could be Brian Hopkins. Who knows when the new ward map comes out? It's going to be one of those two guys, a mayoral loyalist. And they will get, it, it would be like, you can eat off this street by the time they're done with it. Forget driving on it. You can have lunch on that street. Just put your bagel on the street and eat off of it. That's how clean and nice that street will be to provide for this casino. And they'll get people in the Sun-Times and the Tribune to write articles that go, well, the public dollars we spent were important because of the public infrastructure improvement. I hope people in the 15th Ward, I hope people in the 32nd Ward, the 47th Ward, but the 9th Ward, the 7th Ward are not so dumb as they fall for that. Believe that money spent fixing up the street so it could take care of a casino is, in fact, money taken from them. So, folks, I'm warning you, the old lefty in the attic is giving you the lowdown on that one. All right. Enough of me railing and ranting. I'm going to bring on my distinguished guest, the alderman of the 15th Ward, and now a mayoral candidate. Uh, I saw him on the Tucker Carlson show last night. We're getting a little grief about that. You're coming on lefty land, Raymond Lopez, so you know what you're going to get. Um, Welcome back, Raymond. In all seriousness, you've always been a very, really great, gracious guest on my show, Uh, even if you also broke the news on Tucker before you came on my show. But uh, welcome back, young man. Ben, how are you? And actually, I broke it locally, so I'm disappointed you didn't join us for my press conference yesterday. Oh, man, look at that. That was pretty good. Touche. Got <laughs> you. Uh, all right, here's the deal. I reached out to Ray on Tuesday. We do it our, our regular Tuesday city council report, and I had a bunch of clips, and I always say this. I got to bring Ray Lopez on because we, we play your uh, clips, and I always say the same thing. Raymond Lopez, who... Uh, came out of the Bill Lipinski organization a long, long time ago. Uh, over the last three years, is sounding like a 2013 era version of Scott Wagesback. Uh, you are continually <laughs> nailing the the mayor on good government principles. The, so we always we're always talking about the technicality of like how the gover- the mayor has power, how she uses the power, how she subverts the legislative process, how it shows the executive branch dominates the legislative branch and controls it. We don't have the, the division of powers that we've taught about in grade school, in high school, in civics classes. Okay, and so we use you for that. We, we, you're, you and Beal, which. Hey, man, I'll take good government wherever I can get a dynamic it. duo, a dynamic it. duo. You guys uh, have emerged as the good government guys uh, in this era. So we use it for that. So I said, oh, come on, Raylo, come on the show. Let's analyze this. And you, and you said, OK. And then I wake up yesterday. I see you running for mayor. I'm like, damn, you didn't tell me that. I got to so, keep it secret. Yeah. All right. So let's start um, before we get we're going to do the good government stuff, because in many ways, it's more important than ever. Uh, Raymond, think about this, because let's say you are elected mayor. 
the ball will be, you know what I mean? On the other side, you'll be probably trying to use some of those moves uh, on the city council, but we'll get into all that later. All right. So first of all, what made you decide uh, to run for mayor? You're giving up your seat uh, and you probably would have been reelected. You're giving up a seat to run for mayor. What made you decide to do that? I think easily I could have been alderman for another decade, Ben, um, without question. Um, It's not arrogance. I just love my job and I love being alderman of the 15th ward. But Chicago needs a leader right now, and we are not getting a leader with vision in Lori Lightfoot. We're definitely not getting good government, and I'm sorry for my thing beeping in the background. Um, But I know that I have something to offer because I've proven myself in one of the most diverse wards in the city, in one of the most challenging wards in the city that has dealt with generational gang violence head on, not only addressed it, but also changed it. And as we look at the city of Chicago right now, Public safety is issue number one, hands down, no matter what neighborhood you're in, from Wicker Park to Brighton Park, nobody feels safe in this city right now. And you need someone who can address that with more than just pretty words and word salad and manipulating data to tell you you're safe while you're getting carjacked at the same time. That's that's not going to happen under my administration. We're going to get back to the basics. We're going to focus on safety. That safety in turn will allow us to help grow our economy, grow our our economic corridors, whether it's the Mag Mile or Archer Avenue, and we'll be able to start focusing on supporting our first responders. You know, you know how I feel about police and fire, but also our city employees in general, those that we called essential at the start of the pandemic and turned our backs on as a city government as they started getting sick, as they started having issues. Getting back to the delivery of services, which you talked about in your rant, you know, it is pothole season. It's everywhere you look in the city, there's graffiti out of control. There's garbage men who barely have enough members, laborers on the truck to pick up the garbage. Nobody's sweeping alleys anymore. Everything's a mess in this city. We got to get back to the basics and that's safety, economy, and service. All right. uh, So let's just talk about carjackings. First of all, I saw an article in the newspaper that said that uh, shootings are down this year uh, and uh, carjackings are up. So your mayor, uh, Lopez, what's the first thing you do? Uh, what would you do that is not being done right now to curtail carjackings in the city? Go right now. You need a leadership change in that department. You need a superintendent who's going to support the police as they do their job, identifying the authors of crime in our community. They don't have a leader that supports them. They have a mayor and a superintendent who's more willing to throw them under the bus for the first mistake they make and support them for the, thousand things they do right every week that's going to be priority number one what i've done in my ward is i have worked with my commanders so that they can inspire our law enforcement officers our men and women in blue to do their job professionally and correctly every day knowing that the alderman has their back while the alderman works to ensure that the people have the back of the police officers as well you have to all be on the same page we could talk about tim Evans, we could talk about Kim Fox later, but until Chicago gets its house in order and how it addresses and goes after criminals, in particular, those that are routinely doing the crimes, because it's a small percentage who recommit these crimes over and over and over again, you have to deal with them specifically and swiftly and get them out of the community so that you can take away the magnet and then address those that are just on the periphery. All right. So listen, um, I listen to what you just said, and I'm going to put it in the context of somebody who's lived in the city of Chicago since 1981 and Chicago's always had crime. 
I've lived through so the, right now, actually the number of shootings is lower than it was in the nineties when Richard M. Daly was uh, the mayor of the city of Chicago. And uh, the first time I met you was your first term. You came on my show. I interviewed you several times uh, and uh, you, there was a police officer with you. Okay. There was a police officer with you because you were getting protection because you had stood up to gang members who had been shooting in your uh, ward. I brought you on my show, gave you a lot of credit. Uh, and we did the interview when you were talking about that. That was in the era of Mayor Rahm, mm-hmm. a mayor that you supported. So I'm asking you if, like, you didn't criticize Mayor Rahm for the rampant crime in the city of Chicago or, or Gary Big Mac McCarthy or whoever the, the police chief was uh, under Mayor Rahm, why suddenly are you doing it under Lori Lightfoot? It's, the crime, the shooting is probably worse back in the Rom era in your neck of the woods than it is now. Go ahead. No, Ben, actually, you're wrong. And I have to refresh your memory. I did criticize Rom. He was the first mayor I told dropped an F-bomb on for not doing anything about violence in our neighborhoods. So I have been willing to step up to whatever, whomever the mayor is in defense of my neighborhoods. And there is a difference between the Rom administration and the Lori administration in terms of the support that I got to tackle these issues head on. Even though people have issues with Rom and there were shootings under that administration, when I said I needed support, when I said I needed technology, Rom answered the call. He enabled our officers to work with me freely to do what we had to do to go after those gangbangers, to go after those slumlords, to go after all of those absentee people who were negatively impacting my community. The difference between that administration and this is that when those calls are made to this administration, nobody picks up the phone. Everyone acts like there's no issue and everyone rather would play politics than deal with the most pressing issue of there are shootings, there are people dying in the streets of the city of Chicago in my neighborhoods. Think back to that tape when I was concerned about the looting. She thought I was making it up. There's a very real difference in how people respond to what's being presented to them and because of the because the mayor lives in a bubble, she doesn't realize how bad it is. So when you tell her that something that tell her something that's contrary to her worldview, she thinks you're trying to get her. She thinks it's a gotcha moment, not realizing that it's exactly what's going on on the street, and you're just simply asking for help. Those days have got to come to an end. All right, uh, just a clarification. I believe he dropped the f bomb on you. You didn't drop it on and him. I'm gonna have to go back. <laughs> He's reaching for his phone to look it up. We'll we'll, we'll do the background read. That was Rom calling to tell me to get off the effing phone. <laughs> yeah, I think Rom dropped the f bomb on you, and that's you reveal that to me, and I put that in the paper. And next thing you know, Rom, I'm, like I'm sorry. Uh, all right, uh, there's so you you've, uh, uh, you you made a reference in passing. Let's go back to it uh, to the mayor putting restrictions on police officers. Uh, and they can't do this, they can't do that, et cetera, and so forth. This just didn't come out of that. You know this. You know the history of Chicago. You're, we, we play many of the clips that we play when we do the city council wrap-up have to do with police settlements, mm-hmm. massive amounts of dollars that the city of Chicago is paying out uh, to people who have sued the city because... Uh, $600 million, yeah. How much is it? Uh, $600 million, wow, I think. $600 million, okay, yeah. Uh, and so it just, just doesn't emerge out of nowhere, the notion uh, that there's policing issues, to put it mildly, uh, in the city of Chicago. This goes, as long as I can remember, goes back to the 70s. Uh, mm-hmm. Before that, et cetera, and so forth. So 
I, it sounds a little unfair to say that the mayor is just allowing, uh, is tying the hands of police, uh, keeping them, preventing them from being police when our whole city, our courts, our judges uh, are, are responding to years and years of bad policing. So please respond to that. If, as your mayor, how are you going to deal with that issue, the issue of police brutality? Go ahead. Well, clearly there are issues of bad policing. We wouldn't have all these settlements if there weren't. And I'll be the first to admit that there are times that I get very frustrated with those officers who make mistakes that cost us hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars for simply ignoring basic policy in the department, their general orders. Most recently, there was an issue where because an officer was playing with the siren toggle, he hit someone going through an intersection. Policy states, when you're going through, lights on, sirens on. Don't touch it after that until you get through the intersection. But they were toggling it because that's what they thought they could do just to get through the intersection. That costs us money. That costs a life, as a matter of fact. And it's that failure that we need to address where because we don't keep track of how people act and we don't hold our officers accountable and make course corrections when they deviate, it spirals out of control into other issues. And we need to have better management. And you have to have a superintendent who's willing to do the extra legwork to ensure you have supervisors who know what you should be doing, working with younger officers so that they learn the right way to do thing, do things and not just ad lib it as they go along, trying to remember what they were trained in, in, at the academy to do. I don't know if that always works. I look up at what happened with George Floyd in Minnesota and the, the, uh, the officer who killed George Floyd was actually a, a trainer. This dude was training police. Uh, so I'm not. But I think that also gets to our screening process as well. And we have to make sure that our officers are in the right frame of mind to be engaging with the public. And I think that also tails back to are we addressing whatever residual PTSD people have in any job? And let's be frank, they see a lot of gruesome crap out on the street that none of us get to see. Yeah. And if they never process it, if they never address it, and if it's never dealt with, they will be triggered too, to, for, to use the term. When something happens and escalates and they're just going to, like a volcano, erupt, we need to be able to de-escalate our officers so that they don't have to get from A to Z by, by, by skipping past all the other letters in the alphabet. We need to focus on being able to address that, their internalized trauma as well. Uh, I'm with you 100% on that. Uh, drink. I, drink. Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, I'm supposed to drink when I disagree, but... Oh, well... <laughs> Uh, I'll drink with you on that one because I absolutely agree. And this is one of my pet peeves and gets to uh, the appearance on the Tucker Carlson show. And I generally uh, say what I'm about to say. I talk about in terms of uh, Johnny Catanzara, the head of the fraternal order police who loves Trump so much. He wears t-shirts all the time with Donnie Trump's name on it. I'm not making this up, Raymond. This is the, his favorite. I have both hats. He wears, I love Donnie Trump t-shirts. Okay. I, he, he would wear them when he would testify. I, I remember. Yeah. All right. So, and I'm, I always say, what have you guys gotten for your love affair with Donald Trump? And then I always, at your point, I go, there is a pressing need for counseling for police officers. We, and we also have this notion, it's just not just in Chicago, not just with the cops, a lot of men are reluctant to go to a therapist because they think it's unmanly or something. It's, you know, we got to overcome that because you're dealing with a lot of trauma and stress. It's a very difficult job. You see a lot of things that are scary and frightening. 
So what have you gotten for it? Where's the money from Donald Trump? You you you, you give him all 100% adoration support. In Chicago, you should get something back for it. Where's our money for counseling for cops? We get nothing, absolutely nothing from Donald Trump except for rhetoric uh, that fires people up about how lawless, lawless Chicago is. And that's my problem with you going on Tucker Carlson. Because Tucker said, uh, I was listening to it before it came on, I'm going to quote it right now. Tucker goes, all of us who love Chicago from afar are rooting for you to restore order to that city. And I'm like, love Chicago from afar? What kind of freaking love has Tucker Carlson, Donnie Trump, or any right-wing MAGA guy ever saw, shown the city of Chicago? I'm talking about real love, Ray Lowe. I'm talking about, like, money to help police deal with counseling. I'm talking about, like, money for maybe job training programs or something like that that would uh, be an alternative to the streets of Chicago. Money to hire more cops, et cetera, and so forth. So please, do you understand what I'm saying? They're using us. I feel like they're using you as a tool to hammer it. Democrats, uh, do you feel that is unfair for me to say and respond? Well, Ben, you're probably the first person in a while to call me a tool uh, <laughs> as you choke on your drink. But, <laughs> but look, I get it. And I'm not a, and I'm, I'm not a Trumper. I was a Hillary delegate. I voted for Obama. I voted for Biden. And I agree with 100%. It's like the same argument goes for pro-lifers. You say you're for pro-life, but yet you turn your back the moment the baby comes out the womb. I get it. And I 100% agree with that. But what I know is that in my city, in our city, when you have a superintendent who says, one of my core pillars for the 10,000 people who put on this uniform is their mental health and well-being, that is my guiding principle. But yet you stick it to them every chance you get by never letting them go home or you make them work 12-hour shifts, you don't give two craps about their mental health. You want to use them till they're burnout and exhausted and are, quite frankly, at the end of their tether and taking their lives in their homes because they have no way to decompress. That is what we're doing locally. And as much as I'd love for Congress and the federal government to step in and do something, and hopefully one of your half dozen members of Congress who love listening to your show are listening and hear me say, do something and bring something home for once, we can do that in our own city. We can make it possible for our officers to decompress it by simple things, even, even something as simple as scheduling people a day off is what they need. And when you take that for granted, when you take that away from our officers, it's hard for me to say that you have the right to cry foul when they F up because you've brought them to this point. If all things were equal, then we have a different conversation. But you are now fueling that fire, creating situations where they are going to mess up, where they are stressed out. And when they do make a mistake, you prove them right by completely throwing them under not just one bus, but the whole red line L and never answer the question of why they did it in the first place. I'm running out of water because that was a good riff on your part. And uh, I truly believe uh, that like, I truly believe that we need more money uh, to alleviate overtime and that's be, and I got to tell you one more time. I'll, I'll say it again, uh, Raymond. Mayor Rahm loved police overtime. I, I could show you the, the columns I wrote about it back in the oh, day. I, you know, I know. 
He loved, he didn't want to hire, when he was running, he goes, I'm going to spend the TIF dollar money hiring the cops. And the first thing he did was, hell with that, I'm going to spend the TIF money helping my developer friends. And so as a result, overtime for cops. And it was, it's like a pattern that mayors have. I don't know how you're going to wean yourself of this because mayors like to use those uh, unslotted, unfilled vacancies in the police budget for other things. So they budget the money to hire a police well, officer and they spend it on other things. Well, Ben, I think I've been pretty consistent on that as alderman uh, in this administration and the last. I am no fan of vacancies. For me, that's theft of taxpayer dollars. This budget, the budget before that, the budget before that, three to four to almost $500 million we've taken from taxpayers with no intention of using it for what we put on paper. You're stealing from people to create a piggy bank to manage your cash flow. What you need to do is not focus on overtime. What we need to do and what I will do as mayor is focus on filling those vacancies. One, you create good paying jobs for people in the city of Chicago, but two, you also finally provide the services that you're asking taxpayers to fund every year. You can't use it as a piggy bank. And that's what we've seen. And the problem with using it as a piggy bank is that you never really show just how bad the financial picture really is for the city's budget. Because at the end of the year, you're making it look like you found efficiencies by saying, oh, look, $500 million came out of nowhere, when you know exactly where it came from. And it never seems to be enough because we are borrowing a billion dollars a year for the last six years to cover our shortfalls because we don't tax enough, we don't generate enough, and we spend way too much to begin with. Don't tax enough, don't generate enough, and spend too much to begin with. Yeah, that sounds about right for uh, how Chicago runs its budgets. Uh, all right. Uh, well, $60 billion dollars later, that's where we're at. That, and, the uh, problem, and the problem yeah. is, when I became alderman, mm-hmm. I, had to make, I had to vote for what at that time was the largest tax, tax increase in history because of 30 years of borrowing and no tax increases going back to the daily era. I'm not going to leave that for somebody else 30 years from now because I'm too scared to do what's right or address the elephants of the room of taxation and, and poor spending practices. All right. Uh, as long as we're talking about uh, revenue, uh, let's talk a little casino. Uh, if you are elected mayor, uh, you are going to, uh, you're going to, I have no idea where the casino situation will be a year from now, Lord knows. Uh, but you will inherit some form of casino madness in Chicago. Either they will finally select a site. They haven't selected a site. They're still thinking about selecting a site. Uh, it'll be tied up in lawsuits by angry neighbors who don't want traffic. I have no idea. Or they could have already picked one and construction will have started. Uh, I, my rant that I began the show with, which I just can't get over as I just think it's the absolute worst way, uh, using as casinos to pay off your police and fire pensions, which are really pressing obligations that we must pay contractually obligated to pay them and morally obligated to pay them. Cause as I said, the cops and the firefighters already did their jobs. So I just need you to your thoughts. I don't, 
ever hear anybody address this as an issue in the city council. It's always going to be things like, uh, you know, how whether the casino is too tall and it'll put a shadow in someone's tomato garden or, uh, <laughs> you know, it'll block someone's view of the lake. And that's generally what uh, economic development issues boil down to in the city of Chicago. No, but Who's I want to hear you. Contract for landscaping. Yes. Yeah. Who, oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. That kind of thing. <laughs> so I need to know for what's your perspective on using casino revenues to pay pressing obligations? First off, pensions are a promise. I've said that every election I've been in. We made it. We made a deal with our employees. We have to honor that deal. Moving forward, we could address that because obviously the dynamics of the workforce are changing. And, and to be perfectly honest, most millennial employees nowadays don't stay in a job past five years anyway, so they're not even worried about pensions at this point. But we do have an obligation to those who previously have worked for us and who are continuing to work for us at this point. The problem that I have with the casino and the revenue, as you pointed it out, is that this city is being very hypocritical when it comes to how we view the revenue from a casino. Because when I proposed video gaming, I was told it was a tax on the poor. I was told it was unfair to put it in neighborhoods. I was told that even though it was going to be a boost to local business owners, you couldn't do it because the revenue was being shared with the state and it's not right that we pay their bills and we barely get enough to pay ours. Switch gears to a casino. Who cares about the poor? Let them all come in. Let's get their money and let's help them offset and double tax them, not only on their properties that they probably can't afford, not only on the gas and all their commodities that they buy, but let's tax them with whatever little left they've got by having the tax of the willings building over here, otherwise known as the Chicago Casino. The whole argument is hypocritical to me. And what I think we could have done is a couple of things. I think you're right. We are going to wind up in a lawsuit. The NIMBYs are not going to allow this to go. Um, I would welcome the discussion to have it in greater Englewood. We're right off the of Dan Ryan. You could come here. You can invest $25 million in infrastructure. You could put 10,000 people to work down here. Bring it. Let's have that discussion. You could still see the lake if you're 10 stories up. Don't worry about it. Um, but they're not having that discussion. They want to put it in nice neighborhoods where you can continue to fix nice neighborhoods and it all stays nice and centralized. Fine. The lawyers will get them over there. I think if you wanted to really show what was possible in terms of not just theoretical or academic exercises, but who really would have gone, you would have opened up McCormick Place East and seen who actually went into that casino. You could have done that at any point in time with a temporary casino to see just what exactly the impact and customer base would have been so that if you recognize that overwhelmingly non-Chicagoans were using it, that it wasn't having an impact on our our residents who least likely could afford to be there, then you could have the framework to say, we can move forward. Great. The, exper the initial experiment worked. Now we can move forward. But we refuse to do that because we're not trying to prove anything. We're just trying to build something. And what worries me is that, like I said at city council, this is going to be a rush deal. You have the mega committee that negates the need for every other committee in the city council addressing this, uh, chaired by my good friend, Alderman Tom Tunney. And it's not a slap at him, but this committee can do finance. It could do zoning. It could do, but it could do it all. Great. 
we'll get into that just so you know, Alderman. That's one of the but, clips. Go ahead. But, but that's going to be the, the ultimate decider of all of the mayoral allies. And then by the time we get done with that, then it's going to be given to the city council and say, oh, by the way, here it is. And I'm sure the day is presented to the city council. Oh, by the way, here's the substitute on a substitute 10 minutes before the meeting. Go. I don't want another car. I don't want to be associated with any deal that's being done, like the parking meter deal or the Skyway deal. Everyone has talked about we're never doing that again. And here we are doing it again. All right. Uh, like I said, if you are elected mayor, this you you will inherit this in one way or another. Uh, we'll hold, we'll have this plenty of time to have this conversation, but I'm going to tell you, you're going to be under so much pressure. Powerful interests in the city of Chicago will be applying pressure on you to dedicate more and more money uh, it, to the central uh, d- districts. And I'll just tell you that fight you had with Lori Lightfoot, we play the clip all the time. You know, that uh, was, a, a I don't know what action. you're talking about. Yeah. Oh, oh should we, maybe we should play it again just to refresh your memory. Uh, but the, the essence of that quarrel was how was the mayor and the police department allocating police forces in the middle of uh, unrest and rioting that followed uh, the George Floyd murder? How was she doing it? Uh, were they just using everything they had to protect the downtown, leaving neighborhoods exposed? That's what you were essentially asking. Sue Sedlowski Garza was asking it as well. And uh, the mayor... Uh, anger was really upset at you and let you have it. And then you let her have it. But the point is that essential divide where the city basically says, what's more important uh, building a, a downtown uh, or uh, spreading it around equally. Usually uh, Raymond, in my experience, it's tilted in favor of downtown. And if you get elected mayor, Oh my God. If you I got mayor proposing to put a casino in Englewood as much as I would support it, or like it, I can't imagine any of the powerful business interests, uh, corporate interests in this city uh, siding with you on that. Probably not, because I'm taking a, a, a multi-billion dollar crown jewel out of the crown jewels. But if you truly are talking about, one, making sure that equity and inclusion are real, which are the key phrases of this administration. I've heard them over and over for three years at nauseum. If you really want to prove it, then that's what you have to do. And you put it that somewhere that is accessible, like right off the Dan Ryan, you could have it right at 63rd street at the exit. Cause you could get on, on, on and off on both sides, North side, northbound and southbound. You could do it there. But if, if this is just lip service, then Tell that to the black community right now. Tell that to all of Chicago right now. And I understand the the importance of the mag mile. Don't get me wrong. They are about 60% of Chicago's overall tax base. I get it. Compared to the 15th Ward, which is like dead last in the city of Chicago, I get it. And there are ways that you can do this that safeguard where the money comes from, but you could, should never do it at the expense of the mom and pop businesses and residents of the city of Chicago that are struggling and just as equally important to driving neighborhood success, creating generational wealth and giving opportunities. We talk about you need opportunities in the neighborhood, but then don't protect those opportunities. Look at that poor young man on the West side whose shop has been destroyed and robbed, not once, but twice. While he was pursuing his dream of providing an out, a store in his own community. 
That is shameful and should not be allowed. And we should be just as angered as him losing out and closing up as we are about the Gucci store having a sledgehammer through the window. Absolutely. Uh, by the way, I just want to point out, uh, and then we're going to move on to other things. Uh, to, I can't believe Raymond and I are having an agreement gate here. Uh, you might be ready for Tucker Carlson next. What? No, no <laughs> we're getting to Tucker. Uh, that guy. <laughs> Uh, he would never have me on because I would disagree with him. I go, what are you talking? What have you ever done for us? Nothing. Okay. Uh, and you need a new haircut. Okay. Uh, all right. But, um, if, uh, to, to just add to the point that, uh, Alderman Lopez made any, I can tell you this right now, folks, any casino, any one of these sites is going to be a tiff. You know it. That's how they're going to pay for it. That's how they're going to pay for that "quote unquote" infrastructure that they say that they're they're trying to appease the NIMBY folks. Say, "Oh, don't worry, we're going to pave your streets." Well, the, I can tell you right now, the developer's not going to pay for that. The casino operator's not going to play. You, the suckers of Chicago, will pay for that. And just as, just as they did with Sterling Bay, where they said all of the infrastructure will be paid up and will be paid for in up paid for by the developer up front and be reimbursed by the tax increment on the back end. Yeah. So that's money that the schools aren't getting. That's money. That's a, but to the point you take it off the tax rolls. See, you're going to have to deal with this if you're the mayor. So if let's say they give it to this, uh, this, this area right there in in Walter Burnett's ward and the near north side, you said, you just pointed out a 60% of the tax base. This is a very, uh, up high scale area. You're taking that off your tax base. And so that puts more of a burden on the 15th ward. The property right. taxes in the 15th ward will go up because the property taxes will be diverted from the Gold Coast. Anyone not living in a TIF will have to pay more because of everyone in a TIF. And that's how, how it goes. That make, how does that make sense in any universe? <laughs> I just yeah. Tell me that. And, 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 it, and it also fosters the dependency of the sister agencies to have to come to the mayor, to come to the city council and beg for money for improvements. You watch city council, how many how many finance committee meetings have I been railing about why doesn't CPS or the park district have enough money to do its own capital improvement projects? Answer is very simple, because there's too many TIF districts excluding them that they can't create any money, they can't raise any revenue because they are locked out of where most of the money can come from for them to handle their own business. And I think that's really going to come to a head Ben, in 2024 when the elected school board comes up and says, what about our money? Because now you're going to have two democratically elected governments going head to head. And I think that's something that the next mayor also is going to have to yes. deal with. How do you deal with a counterpart? of a $10 billion operation focusing on education that's also not going to want to have its revenue shortchanged by the city of Chicago's TIF district and or if they are allowed to do their own TIF districts then too. Yeah. Because now uh, they're going to shortchange us. Yes. And uh, and this is why, ladies and gentlemen, Mayor Rahm Emanuel and Mayor Lori Lightfoot fought so hard against an elected school board because it's, it's all about money, as in they want to have it. The more they have, the more power they have. All right. Uh, let's talk about a path to victory. Uh, as soon as I saw you, uh, the clip of you on Tucker Carlson, I go, uh-oh. 
This is not good. Chicago is a city. It's 85%, I believe, that voted against Donald Trump. Your presence on Tucker Carlson, who's Donald Trump's chief cheerleader, is really going to hurt you, to put it mildly. Uh, I, I'll bet you right now, Lori Lightfoot's already sent out a fundraising. <laughs> I swear to God, dude, I did not know that. I, she did. You know, it's going, did you see where uh, uh, Alderman Lopez was? So, you know, what's the path? But, but, How but, I mean, go but I mean, to be fair, it wasn't my first time on Tucker either. Oh, I know, I know. Um, and, to be fair. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The point is this. How are you going to win over voters in a city that despises Donald Trump when you're pals with Donald Trump's biggest cheerleader? Help, help me there, on that. There are – this city is not as left-leaning or left-winging as people think it is. There is still a very conservative streak in the city of Chicago. Um. It might be overwhelmingly Democratic on on primary day, but it's not during the general election. More specifically, I could tell you stories of one of my little old lady residents saw me one day in West Anglin, and she asked me, Alderman Lopez, what are you doing on that Republican show? And I looked at her, I said, I know she was referring to Tucker. I said, I looked at her and said, what were you doing watching? And she goes, yeah, you got me on that one. So I know people watch it. <laughs> I know people watch them and don't want to admit it. There's a lot of closet Tucker fans, you know, but Tucker is not the issue. Because in fairness, as is evident by your show, I'll come on any show. You ask, I'm there. If CNN asks, I'd be there. MSNBC asks, I'd be there. They don't ask. Fox will ask me and I will show up. I, I'm there for my local media, my independent media because I think you deserve access. Everyone deserves access, especially to those that think they want to be leaders of the city of Chicago or in the city of Chicago. But that being said, you know, you ask about the path. The path is simple. I just have to get more votes than the other guys, to be perfectly honest. Um, the polling shows that the mayor is severely underwater. Um, right now, she's like on the smokestack of the Titanic right now um, with regards to where her popularity is and more importantly, where people's opinion of her is. Um, I have room to grow. She does not. Her 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 view and how people view her is so locked in that the highest she gets is not going to be enough. And she is in no way, shape, or form going to be able to raise the millions needed to not only change people's minds about her now, but win them over past that. And I think the Sun Times even just came out with an article saying she does. There's not enough money out there to save her at this point. Yeah, that was an article that, uh, that I read the other day in the Sun-Times. Uh, well, what about your – you don't have a lot of money. I haven't looked lately, uh, but it, last time I looked, there was not a lot of money, uh, relatively speaking, uh, in your campaign coffer. So where are you going to get the money to mount uh, a citywide campaign? Well, I'm well aware that this is going to be an expensive race. Um, there could be upwards of 10 to 15 people in this race. Possibly. We'll see. Who knows? Um, which is evident by how many people are dissatisfied with this mayor. As an aside, um, I think it will easily be a 10 to $15 million race. I know what I have to do, and I did not think about this lightly. Going back to the fact that I'm giving up what otherwise has been considered a safe seat for me to win, um, I could have just cashed my check and pointed at the fifth floor and said, whoever sat there, that mopes the problem, blah, blah, blah. But that's not why I'm here. That's not why I'm in politics. I think the city deserves an option, a better option, and I'm willing to put it all on the line. 
and I am a prolific worker. I have, I don't have Ron's Rolodex, but I have a good Rolodex on my own. Um, and now she's going to have to take it to the next level. And I've talked to plenty of people, uh, been quite frank about what I need moving forward. And I've gotten quite a positive response that I know once I activate that Rolodex, uh, we'll be able to very much so be competitive out the gate. All right. And uh, something just occurred to me. I thought about this while you were talking. Uh, obviously, there's, I mean, we have a, a runoff system. And I believe there will be a runoff. So it's going to come down to two people. So you know this. Running in a, a, a two-person race is one thing. Uh, running to make the runoff is something quite different, different strategies, different tactics, et cetera, and so forth. Uh, Johnny Catanzaro, the head of fraternal order police says he's running. Uh, it seems to me that you and he share uh, a certain constituency and that would really go out. Wardrobe. <laughs> uh, for the record, you can't see this ladies and gentlemen, he's wearing a button down shirt and there's nothing Trump in the shirt. He's not wearing a Trump MAGA hat. Uh, yes. You do not share a wardrobe. Uh, <laughs> you call me up guy with that one. So, all right. You do not uh, share a wardrobe. That is true. Uh, but you may share some voters. So how are you going to beat John Catanzaro? But we'll see who winds up at the starting line. A lot of people have put their names out there, not just John, a lot, some of my colleagues are already putting it out there that they're considering. There are a lot of people considering. Um, I know some people who I get along with quite well are considering, like Dr. Willie Wilson, uh, probably announcing Monday that he'll be running. I get it. I, again, the path forward is that I have to just get more than everybody else. And I believe that I've been the most vocal in terms of trying to save our city for the past three years. And you cannot make up for lost time in this business. I am not a Johnny come lately as some of the other challengers may be. And especially as everyone pivots now to try to address crime and violence. It's amazing how many loud voices there are when it was stunningly silent for three years. The voters know who people are. The voters know where they've seen us and what they've seen us advocate for or against. And I'm willing to use that to take this message forward. All right. Let's uh, uh, put the mayoral talk behind us. And uh, while we have some time left, engage in uh, the exercise that I originally reached out for this entire interview, ladies and gentlemen, was not the one I was thinking of on Tuesday when I called Raymond and said, Hey, come on the show. Uh, And I said, I was only going to talk about what I agreed to on Tuesday. (laughs) But, you know, I bent yeah. that rule just for you today. So I figured you. I appreciate it. Something, kind of in, something interesting did happen yesterday. Yeah. Well, let's talk about it. I would say bent it, broke it. Uh, <laughs> Eric, um, so uh, as a setup, uh, I may have said this already, uh, Dave Glowatz, Inside Chicago Government, comes on our show once a month with City Council Review. It's one of my favorite segments. It's I get to play my inner geek. And it's it's really for... I just say this out loud. I know this sounds arrogant, but it's you got to have a certain amount of sophistication about Chicago and love for the how the city works to appreciate this show. I know it's not for everyone. I doubt very much in a million years Tucker Carlson would ever listen to this. Uh, but don't we, tempt him. <laughs> we take the deep dive. We play clips, and then uh, Dave and I go back and forth and analyze it. Uh, and a lot of the clips has to do with mm-hmm. procedure. 
the procedure of the Chicago City Council. So it's really like, you know, uh, Robert's Rules of Orders type stuff. And Anthony Beal, uh, is om- he's almost in everyone, and Raymond Lopez, their allies, are in there everyone. Everybody always, by the way, I just got to say this. I'm not even going to go with it. The Ed Burke. Like, you're so dumb. You couldn't do anything without Ed Burke. Uh, oh, hold on. I, let me check what my cue card says, how to respond to that. Hold on. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even want to hear it. All right. Uh, so. Um, but thank you for acknowledging that, that I can't, that I actually can think on my own. I yeah, well, I just, I mean, I, like I we always say, I don't always agree uh, with Raymond Lopez, but I just don't buy into that that line, that narrative, that everybody who uh, has enough sense to oppose the mayor uh, had like went to Ed Burke school. First of all, everything the mayor's doing, Ed Burke did on the last mayor's behalf and would be doing on this mayor's behalf if she hadn't used him to get elected. I don't blame her for doing that. That's politics, but that's the reality. Ed Burke is no reformer. All right. So, uh, Dennis, let's see. So we're going to play a clip. I say we go with, I have no idea what this clip is. Play quick, because I know uh, Raymond's quote, uh, we'll hear his voice in this. So play quick. Chair, I think there's a little bit of clarification. I think that the original resolution that was submitted by Chairman Michelle Harris was removed for our desk and was replaced with another one. So whereas the chairman of committee should be Alderman Tom Tunney and Jason Irvin, it was replaced with another one that said should be members of the city council. So can we get clarification and for members that don't have the copy from Chairman Harris? Chairman Harris, do you want to clarify that? Yes, we can go ahead with the roll call, but um, if we ask someone to come back, because they were all, the copies of my resolution were placed on everyone's desk. Somehow, some of them. No, yours is wrong. No, hers has her name on it, so they came by and took the one with her name off and submitted it. I have you, I have you, I'll get you. Well, whoever whoever did it. Okay, we are voting on the one that says, for clarification, it just says regular resolution. And so that's what we're doing, a roll call vote on, Madam President. Not the one that says substitute. Alderman Vasquez. I think this highlights why some of us want our own parliamentarian, because we see the confusion all the time. This kind of rushed through, and I didn't find out I was on a committee until yesterday. One question I have is, post the dissolution of this committee, what happens to anything else that's casino-related that needs to come before the council? I think there's just a lot of questions, so right now I would be more inclined to have the body of the whole be the one that makes a decision. Alderman Lopez. This is the packet that was on all our desks. The resolution from today was never included in what we are discussing right now. It wasn't stolen, it wasn't taken, it was never given. This is the one that was published online on the city clerks. One page, one line, a resolution creating special city council committee on Chicago casino and establishing its membership. Nothing to the text of what we're discussing. That is all the members have been given. We got an email last night at about 7.30 p.m., which many of you, by the sounds of it, didn't get. That is why there's such an uproar over what we're doing. Alderman Beale has made a motion to amend the mystery resolution to incorporate every member in this body so that we don't wind up with parking meters 2.0 in the form of a casino. This is about transparency. And when you can't even provide members with the actual documentation, the ones playing games aren't us standing up at the moment. And I would say, Madam President, that we can amend this. We can accept the motion to amend it. 
because that is well within our rules to amend, as we've done countless times on the floor even, to address matters of substance. Alderman Ramirez Rosef. This casino issue has been before this administration for a very long time. There's no reason why months ago the administration couldn't have convened a group of briefings to say, hey, we're thinking about doing a special committee. What do you all think? Who do you think should be on it? Who's interested in being on it? They chose not to. And then last night, we get emailed this resolution, a resolution which was not even included in our packets, and we're told now you've got to do an up or down vote. Chairman Tunney. We've been waiting, some of us have been waiting for 30 years for a casino revenue source to help our pensions. We have to move forward in an expeditious manner. And with that, I would ask that we lay that motion on the table for the substitute resolution. We have a pending roll call vote on the original resolution. Chairman Harris has a point of clarification. I renew my motion for us to have a roll call vote on this item, the resolution. May I offer a point of clarification before the members vote? As Chairman Tunney just said, it's been 30 years of futility, folks, before we've had the opportunity to get a casino. Alderman Lopez. I have a point of order regarding the motion to accept a substitute. A call for a roll call does not supersede a motion to accept the substitute. So we can, in fact, address that motion first before going to a roll call vote. There's a motion to lay the substitute on the table, and I believe that does supersede the motion. The substitute ordinance on the table, we will have a roll call vote on that. Voting yes is to lay the substitute on the table. Voting no is to proceed with the substitute. Okay, thank you very much, D. Uh, Raymond, I told you. This yeah, what they say. This is not for the faint of heart. This, this, we do this after every man. I'm going to promote my show with Dave Glow. We do this after, We do this like with five clips, ladies and gentlemen. We take it apart. That's like, a, that's a, I just like unheard of deep dive. You want to understand how Chicago works. All right, so. That's like speaking a, a second language yeah, down there in the chamber. If you don't know what's going on. Yeah, there's there's nobody explaining anything. If you are John Q. Public, they're they're laying who on the table? Yeah, what's going on? <laughs> what's going on? Laying on the table, you guys. <laughs> let's come up with a better term. All right, <laughs> all right. So why don't you start uh, as uh, succinctly as you can explaining? I'd rather hear you do it than me. Uh, what went down? What was going down there? And then we'll get into the substantive issues. Go ahead. All I have to say is I wish your listeners could have seen me when I was talking. Because when I talked about this agenda or that agenda, I was throwing papers around left and right, slamming them on the table. Great, great theatrics, great theatrics. Um, But at the end of the day, this was about an attempt to create a super committee made up of all the chairmen on the city council, all 19 chairmen and their or an associated vice chairman to serve on a special committee at the behest of the mayor to discuss the finalists for approving one casino proposal. That's what all of this was about. So this committee of just the mayor's handpicked chairman would come together, review the three proposals, ask the questions, vote on which one they like, and then present their final recommendation at some point yet to be determined to the city council to vote yes or no. That's what this whole discussion was about. The problem was that nobody knew this or what this committee was and didn't learn about it until 6.30 p.m. the night before the city council was expected to vote on whether or not that this was the appropriate way for us to do business. The meeting's at 10 a.m. That means it was nearly 16 hours of which 10 of you, 10 hours of which you'd be asleep 
you were expected to read a resolution and make a determination if that's how you want it to go. Many of us didn't know about it. Clearly, many on that on that tape and many more that you haven't played had no idea what we were talking about. The author of the resolution was Rules Committee Chairman Michelle Harris. And as by tradition, if any committee or any member is introducing something, you share it with all 50 members of the city council. So if I'm going to introduce a resolution saying how awesome the Ben Jarofsky show is, and I expect everyone to support it, I better write 50 copies and say, today is National Ben Jarofsky Day because <laughs> Dennis makes the show so awesome. Oh, but every, yeah. See, I had, a, I had include everybody. Um, but you'd have to share it with all 50 members. So when they vote on it, they've got it. It's common sense, especially because a lot of members, especially the young, newer members, don't like voting for things they've never seen. Such a novel concept. Well, unfortunately, when we got to that point in the meeting, one of my colleagues acted quite surprised when there was a substitute put forward. Alderman Beal and I put forward a substitute, changing what we saw the night before, clearly labeling it substitute across the title, and changing a sentence in there that basically said rather than having select people on it, everybody would be on it. Unfortunately, none of the other members and mayoral allies realized the word substitute was on top, and nobody bothered to check the fact that what was originally being proposed was never shared with anybody, even during the committee meeting. So it was outrageous to hear one of my colleagues say that someone had nefariously walked around the room and taken uh, the ordinance to be passed off their desks and slipped in a, slipped in a new one. Like it was a mission impossible with, you know, Tom Cruise on the wires zipping through the desk and nobody caught it. Um, all while everyone's sitting at their desks that no one caught this. The problem is that too often times people try to just push things through administrations. This one, the last one, the one before that do these last minute pieces of legislation and push it through. And they just expect everyone to use the old adage, when in doubt, just say yes. But that backfired at the last city council meeting. And there was an effort by Beale, by myself, by members of the Democratic Socialists, which just showed the depth and breadth of our popular scope on that body, that when democracy is involved, we all basically try to stand together. And we were trying to amend what was never presented um, so that we could have everybody involved. And everything that you heard up to that point, whether you could make an amendment, whether you could close discussion by calling the question, whether you could lay an amendment on the table so that you can't offer the substitute. All of those are part of the legislative dance that's known as the, the rules of order and procedure of the city council. I believe there's 63 of them that take Robert's rules of orders to a whole new level um, because there are specific things that we can do in city council, specific things you can't. And it's a battle of wits to see which one of the speakers knows the rule to outdo the last speaker. And oftentimes, members are in disagreement. Majority of the time, mayor doesn't know what she's talking about. And then you have people like myself or Beale, who stands right up in front of her in the front row, yelling and screaming, saying, "You know, you know, not happening, not happening." You know, you know, we appeal, 
Um, but at the end of the day, and this goes back to what Alderman Beale has been a champion of for several months now, is having an independent parliamentarian for city council, is that the mayor turns to her corporation council, which works for her and can be fired for her, for guidance on how to proceed. And clearly that person is going to say whatever the mayor wants to say. And if you appeal it, you still got to find 26 members in the, in the body to agree with you that the mayor's wrong. And that's never going to happen because right now, a 19 of those 26 are her people anyway. So that's where you have it. But clearly now with the new way of tracking how people vote, it's going to become more evident to Chicago voters how their aldermen have been siding when it comes to democracy, open democratic processes, and ramming things through at the last minute. And uh, one of the voices, uh, what was well done, by the way, one of the voices uh, that we heard on that uh, excerpt was a good friend of this show, uh, Alderman Carlos Ramirez Rosa, the 35th Ward, who is uh, at the opposite end of the political spectrum, you might say, from Raymond Lopez uh, in many ways. Uh, he is a democratic socialist, and uh, Carlos comes on the show all the time, uh, and we talk about uh, politics, et cetera, and so forth. And he, Carlos was pretty much a lone voice on many votes in the uh, Rahm Emanuel days, okay? So 2015 to 2019, there's a reason I'm saying this, Raymond. And so I remember him coming on the show and talking about how whenever he would get up on a procedural issue and expresses dissatisfaction with what Mayor Rahm was doing, or even if it was beyond procedural issue, let's say for practice, he was against expending money for the police academy uh, that uh, – was built with TIF dollars and Emma Mitz's board. Uh, whenever he would oppose, the other aldermen would roll their eyes uh, and mutter uh, imprecations against him and calling him uh, for grandstanding and mock him and taunt him and tease him. And I just want folks to know, it's the city council is not that much different than a high school cafeteria. <laughs> uh, and if you dare to be different, if you dare to break ranks from what, the great majority of the kids in the cafeteria are doing, they will malign you. So I don't agree with a lot of things ideologically with Raymond Lopez, but I give him credit for standing up for what I think are good government principles and all this stuff you're going to see on the personal level from this alderman uh, in the next week or so, you're going to see it in the newspaper folks. You're going to see him called a grandstander. You're going to, they've got nicknames for you. Uh, Lopez. Don't, is that what? The, it, Lopez. Yeah. But you know what? It's all because you dare to do what you did. Okay, that's all I'm saying, man. You know, go ahead, Raymond. There's a, there's a worse label to be used on an alderman, and that is a rubber stamp. So, if calling me a grandstander, calling Carlos, calling any of us, calling all the back row kids, as I like to refer to us, because oddly enough, most of us all are forced to leave our seats and sit in the back of the chamber now. You know. I think the sergeant at arms and the mayor may have thought it'd been cute to put all of us back there. All that has allowed us to do is to grow our relationship and make the cool kids section in the back row. <laughs> well, they said the same thing about uh, Alderman Leon Dupre. They said that, the, ironically, Dick Simpson is a huge supporter of Mayor Lori Leff. They said that about him back in the seventies. Anybody and notice how silent and notice how silent he and the likes of Scott Wagaspack and Michelle Smith have been while using all the same tricks that they decried for decades, all of a sudden have gone noticeably mute. Okay, and I will close with this to you. 
I predict you're going to do the same thing when you're the mayor, if you are the mayor, if you get elected, if you stay the course and get elected. Uh, and you, I'll be like doing my show. I'll, I'll have, who will be, uh, what if I don't? What, what if I don't? What if I don't? You see this bottle of vodka? I'll drink. We're switching to spiritus if I do that. You're going to need something stronger than vodka. Because, uh, because so I Go ahead. I have, no, I have no fear of the democratic process. You could let people's ideas run their course. And I think part of the reason why people have such an aversion for their aldermen and, and, and a distaste for city council is because they never see different clashing ideas come together to mend and meld to find a solution that's in the middle. I think if you show them that and you're still able to have a functioning government, people will once again find value in city council once again. And I have no fear of that whatsoever. Maybe it is because I've come from city council that I understand that. All right. Very good. That's a good uh, spot as all as any to uh, close it down. We've talked a while. And uh, so Raymond Lopez, uh, thank you very much. The guy came on Lefty Land show. How about that? He, Tucker Carlson and the Ben Jarofsky show. Going to get a lot more listeners on Tucker Carlson. I'm just going to tell you that right now. On the other hand, he only gave you three minutes. So If uh, you give me a Ben Jarofsky pin, I'll wear it next time. <laughs> Which you, I have to, first of all, make a Ben Jarofsky pin, but that'd be hilarious. You're on Tucker Carlson. He goes, who's that hippie on your chest? All right, Raymond Lopez, thank you so much. The Alderman of the 15th Ward, uh, it's always a blast talking to you. And uh, we'll probably talk to you down the road while you're campaigning, uh, going from one ward to the other, all right? Thanks, man. All right, that's Raymond Lopez of the 15th Ward. Uh, and uh, I want to thank the man, the myth, the legend, the pride of joy of Alton, Illinois, without whom this show would be possible. And as Raymond Lopez, Mayor Lori Lightfoot, Andre and, and Andre Vasquez will tell you, back home in Alton, they call him Dr. D, and the D stands for the marvelous. Give yourself a raise, take it out of petty cash. See you tomorrow, everybody. Oh, come on, Alderman. (laughs) 